low. Carrie was at a party, the launch of a new award for female authors under 25, and the house was silent. It was ten before he came downstairs. Jay liked the cellar. It was cool, secret. He was always coming down here just to touch the bottles, to run his fingers along the dust-furred walls. Back in the kitchen, he examined his choice from the box of new bottles with some curiosity. The wax seal at the neck, the brown cord, the handwritten label. Specials, 1975. The glass grimed with the dust of Joe's root cellar. He wondered why he had brought it back from the wreckage. Nostalgia, maybe, though his feelings for Joe were still too mixed for that luxury. Inside the bottle, something leaped and capered. The bottles in the cellar rattled and danced in reply. Jay McIntosh reached for a knife to cut the seal. It had withstood the years. His knife sliced it open, and the cork was still intact beneath. For a moment, the scent was so immediately pungent that all he could do was endure it, teeth clenched, as it worked its will on him. It smelt earthy and a little sour, like the canal in midsummer, with a sharpness which reminded him of the vegetable cutter and the gleeful tang of fresh-dug potatoes. Once again he wondered why he had brought the bottle with him. There was no such thing as magic. His concentration was such that he didn't hear Kerry come in behind him. "'Oh, so you're not working?' Her voice was clear, with just enough of an Irish accent to guard against accusations of having a privileged background. Kerry crossed the room, her perspex heels tapping coolly against the tiles, and she poured herself a glass of Stolichnaya. Jay tipped the wine glass at her. In the cellar, the remaining bottles rattled boisterously, as if in anticipation. "'What is that stuff, anyway? Some kind of cocktail? It smells disgusting.' It's Joe's wine, one of the six. Jack Apple, 1975. A wonderful vintage. Ugh, God, don't drink it. It's bound to be off. Kerry gave a forced laugh. <laughs> Besides, it's revolting. It's like necrophilia or something. I was planning to drink it, darling, not fuck it. What? Nothing. Please, darling, pour it away. The wine was Joe's. I don't expect you to understand. Oh, please yourself, you always do. But Jay was not listening. He lifted the glass to his face and took a mouthful. It tasted as dreadful as it did when he was a boy. There was no grape in this brew, simply a sweetish ferment of flavours, like a whiff of garbage. Are you OK? It was Carrie's voice. "'resonant, as if in a dream. "'He swallowed with an effort. "'I'm fine. Actually, it's rather pleasant. "'Pert, tart, lovely body. "'A bit like you, Kez. "'I wish you wouldn't call me that. It isn't my name. "'Neither is Kerry. "'Oh, well, if you're going to be vulgar, I'm going to bed. "'Enjoy your vintage.' "'The words were a challenge, which Jay left unanswered. "'He took another drink.' and found his palate was becoming accustomed to the wine's strange flavours. Now his head felt clear, his stomach level. He tried for a moment to identify the sensation he felt, and eventually recognised it as joy.
Pog Hill, Summer, 1975. Jack Apple Joe, as good a name as any. He introduced himself as Joe Cox. We could be cousins, you and me, he said on that first day, as Jay watched him from the top of the wall. Cox and Mackintosh, both apples, aren't we? The boy watched the rotating blades of the vegetable cutter in fascination. Pass us them jacks over there, will you? Jacks? Jack apples. Jay dropped down into the garden. The jack apples were long and red and oddly pointed at one end. The boy staggered a little under the weight of the box. Watch your step. Don't drop them. They'll bruise. But these are just potatoes. Aye. I thought you said they were apples or something. Jacks. Spuds. Taters. Jack apples. I brought these home from South America after the war. Grew them from seed right here in my garden. Took me five years just to get the soil right. These aren't just potatoes, lad. These are little nuggets of lost time. These are my specials. Jay watched him cautiously, unsure whether he was mad or simply making fun. So, uh, what are you making? Joe tossed another jackapple into the cutter and grinned. Wine, lad. Wine. That was the summer of 75. Jay was nearly thirteen. Eyes narrow, mouth tight, face a white-knuckle fist closing over something too secret to be examined. Lately a resident of the Moorland School in Leeds, now with eight weeks of holidays stretching strange and empty till the next term. It would be all right, his mother told him. He would like Kirby Monkton. He would enjoy the change. Everything would be sorted out. But Jay knew better. The gulf of his parents' divorce opened up beneath him, and he hated them. Hated the place to which they had sent him. Hated the gleaming new five-speed Raleigh bike delivered that morning for his birthday. Bribery as contemptible as the message which accompanied it. With love from Mum and Dad. His grandparents never interfered. They approved of outdoor pastimes, never noticing that he returned home trembling and exhausted with rage every afternoon. The boy was always polite, always well-groomed. He cultivated a boyish cheeriness. He was the cleanest-cut comic-book schoolboy hero imaginable, and he reveled sourly in his deception. Joe lived on Pog Hill Lane, one of a row of uneven terraces backing onto the railway half a mile from the station. On the far side there were fields, reaching down to the river, and beyond that lay the open-cast mine, the sound of its machinery a distant drone on the wind. A few times Jay walked all the way to the river and made dams with turf and the accumulated garbage it had brought with it, car tyres, branches, railway sleepers, and once a whole mattress with the springs poking out of the ticking. That was really how it began. The place got a hold on him somehow, perhaps because it was a secret place, an old, forbidden place, but his nevertheless. Throughout all that long, strange summer, his. Or so he assumed. London, Spring 1999 
He woke up late the next day to find Carrie already gone, leaving a short note. Jay, don't forget the reception at Spies tonight. It's very important for you to be there. Wear the Armani. K. His head ached, and he made strong coffee and listened to the radio as he drank it. The bottle of Joe's wine was standing where he had left it on the table. He was surprised to see it still over half full. Such a small quantity seemed too little to account for his pounding hangover. The door rattled suddenly, and he turned round, feeling obscurely guilty as if caught out. But it was only the post, half pushed through the letterbox and spilling onto the mat. Through the glass door, a square of sunlight illuminated the top envelope, as if marking it for his special attention. He stooped to pick up the bright rectangle, opened it. His first thought was that it was junk mail. Then he caught sight of the picture. The brochure had fallen open at the centre page, a double-page spread of a house which looked curiously familiar, a large square-built house with pinkish faded walls and a red-tiled roof. Chateau Foudouin, Lot et Garonne, for sale. The surprise at seeing it there so unexpectedly made his heart lurch. Coming now, at this moment, it had to be. It had to be a sign. Jay looked at the picture intently. Above it, the neon sign flashed relentlessly, enticingly. For sale. He reached for the bottle and poured himself another glass. Pog Hill, July.